Hey everybody, welcome back to Your Wrong, the Star Wars Deep Dive Edition, or series as we're calling it. Luciano, what is everybody wrong about this time? Well, Matt, I mean, going chronologically as we were, people are now wrong about The Force Awakens, our episode 7, or the first episode of the new trilogy, whatever you want to call it. They sure are. And you know who's the wrongest about it? It's the people that made it. And I'll tell you why. I will just start with this. And let's, we'll, we're going to try and keep the same sort of um, format. So we'll just briefly give our, our uh, takes on the movie. Then we're going to dissect stuff and then we'll give our, our rating. So I'll just start with this. Just, uh, just to stop you here, we're also doing a very brief synopsis of the movie. And who's oh, that is so correct. Everybody's on board. Yeah, well, I, I, I'm hoping people know what the hell we're talking about. But, you know, in case you, you never don't, know. Ca- I'll, nice... I'll, I will do it. Shut up. I will do it. Uh, okay. <laughs> okay. So, as I said, Star Wars The Force Awakens is the seventh episode um, of the analogy, I guess we would call it, um, of yeah. the Skywalker saga, as it became known. Yes, it is uh, a 2015 American epic space opera film uh, directed by and oh, produced, co-written and directed by J.J. Abrams, which actually tells me a lot more than I wanted to know. Yeah, sure does. Um, And it is it is called the, you know, the first installment of the Star Wars sequel trilogy. Um, It is set 30 years after. The Return of the Jedi, which is the last movie from the original trilogy, stars the 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 usual suspects: Harrison Ford, Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher from the original trilogy. Although Mark Hamill really, I mean, shouldn't even be called that he stars in it. But save it for the content of the yep. show. And then the newcomers: Adam Driver as Kylo Ren, Daisy Ridley as Rey, and John Boyega. Well, not Anne. John Boyega as Finn and Oscar Isaac as Paul Dameron, and then a bunch of other people I'm not going to list. But one person yeah. I should mention is Max von Sydow that I forgot was in this. Um, it's not wrong for you to forget these in this because they made a big deal about him being in it, like when they showed pictures of the cast getting ready to do this movie. And then for the amount he was in the movie, it is very disconnected. Yeah. And so um, it also stars more like, you know, Anthony Daniels as C-3PO and P- Peter Mayhew as uh, Chewbacca. And there's, uh, I'll list the other few, Lupita Nyong'o, Andy Serkis as, you know, as Snoke. And uh, I think that's it. Yeah, there you go. I think I, I think you nailed it. Like, I did a good job. Yeah. Uh, and so the plot is, you know, 30 years after the the Civil War, the Galactic Civil War, the First Order has risen from the fallen Galactic Empire and seeks to end the New Republic. And the Resistance, backed by the Republic, opposes the First Order and Leia is searching for Luke, who's gone missing. So that, like, that's how it starts. All right. And like, that sounds like an interesting movie, right? So, yeah. Yeah. That's actually a good segue into what I wanted to say before you cut me off (laughs) and told me to do the synopsis. You're welcome. Yeah. This movie had so much potential. And and even the way it starts, you know, the whole first scene in Jakku with, uh, um, you know, the attack on that village with Kylo Ren coming in, and, uh, you know, Poe 
fleeing, getting to Max von Sydow, whose name I kind of forget now, um, and and wanting to find the the map fragment that would lead to Luke. That whole thing was very promising. And I think you mentioned this to me yesterday when we were talking about it. And you said strong start, and I can I can't agree more. Um, but it like it 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 chooses to live in the shadow of a new hope. And that was that's what's so wrong about it. Like in a nutshell, that's what's so wrong about it. it. It could have been a great movie if it wanted to stand on its own, but it chose to pander to nostalgia and try to replicate the experience and the, the feel of A New Hope, even with the plot and the characters and the story. And, and it kind of shoots itself in the foot. That's my take yeah. on it. Um, I, I think I, I agree with your relative take. I think that it, it has the the bones and structure of an excellent movie, but it makes decisions that hold it back from being more than it is. And and primarily those decisions are made for, like you said, nostalgia reasons. And some of them just seem to be made for plot reasons or cool story moment seasons. I think we talked about when we've hit the the, the idea of the J.J. Abrams Star Wars or really just the J.J. Abrams storytelling style. It's like, you know, he has like the, he has like cool set pieces and and he tries to connect them together and the connections are always tenuous at best. Um, and the thing I notice in this movie more than I've had in the past ones now that we're taking a deep dive is, and maybe this is because I'm a really big fan of The Mandalorian and Dave Filoni and John Favreau's work, but it doesn't seem like they really get Star Wars yeah. in, in a way that that is meaningful. And and before, I'll I'll let us get into it each deeper. But just to give you an example of what I I mean in terms of the the quote unquote someone getting Star Wars. Um, when I was writing my notes, I was kind of going through different things that were happening in the movies and trying to understand, you know, why they made decisions and for for certain things and why they they made decisions for other things, and you know, one of the things that comes up is like the idea that they invented ventral cannons, which, you know, <laughs> I believe ventral is like a location, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's like in the belly, right? That's yeah. what ventral means. But no one's ever seen them before. And, and it just seemed like a plot device they created to make sure the guys crashed their ship on Jakku um, so they could continue that storyline. But, but didn't we already have ion cannons would not have ion cannons done the exact same thing or or just any any uh surface uh, um not surface sorry any turret laser would have done that yeah so it's just it's one of those decisions you make where it's like it's like the scope creep and power creep and it's like the creep they make doesn't serve the entire thing well it's very unbalanced into that creepingness and i can get into it more detail but but it just it makes me feel like they don't care about star wars in a meaningful way yeah i think and we've said this like sprinkled throughout our entire fucking you know list of episodes is hardly any of them that we're talking about any kind of story driven thing that we don't talk about star wars hence you know our decision of let's let's just talk about it until we're tired of it and i i think there this is another the first example in this case of 
the showrunners or you know jj abrams in this case seeing as he was involved with everything except for acting on this thing <laughs> not understanding what makes star wars what we like about it like the, yeah. he he thought that replicating the the hope like wholesale the plot really of of new hope with a few changes here and there was what we want like he, he was like oh you know people love star wars because in the new hope you know they had these three main characters that were you know unlikely to get together but they do and they also explode a big weapon so let's just yeah. do that yeah and and i was something i i noticed as like you know like you said rewatching it is a different experience and it was a sad thing that i sort of realized is that the other two movies actually make this one worse in retrospect because there was there was a lot of cool ideas in this one and and when we talk about return of the jedi this is even more so but that's because it's not in jj abrams hands but that's a, you know that's that episode not this one but a lot of the ideas that were presented and it goes back to what you were saying about jj abrams matt which is you know he comes up with these great ideas of oh this is going to be a mystery or this is going to be a plot point but he only does the easy job of it which is coming up with the mystery and not with the solution and i've yes. said this before in this podcast for sure yeah definitely and then he came up with all of these weird sort of like, for example, I, I was just one of the, my, and I remember this watching the trailers. I was like, holy shit, a stormtrooper that we're going to see the face off and it is going to betray the empire. Cause we've seen higher, uh, um, uh, how do you call them? Uh, higher ranking people betraying the empire as we've seen higher ranking people betray the rebellion. Right, so that's fine, but like a stormtrooper, like a a nobody really that doesn't even have a name, and seeing that character evolve from just being one more in the crowd to being an actual character, that was such a great concept. And John Boyega does a great job of it, right? Yeah, absolutely. But then, like the other two movies, kind of ruined that. Like they don't they don't use that decently. It's interesting because I agree with you. And, and the thing I found interesting after watching this movie, and we'll see if it holds true through the, 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 the last two movies, is you know, when I watched this movie, I was optimistic, right? It was like, it sucked because they used the same story, but like it seemed like they, they understood the core tenets of Star Wars. And I think we were tricked because they basically didn't have to understand it if you just repeat it. Yep. Um, and we didn't realize that until we saw the next two movies. And I have to give, for me personally, I have to give J.J. Abrams a little more credit than I initially did because I really thought that he was very divisive with Ryan Johnson in terms of going from two to three. But I also think that Ryan Johnson didn't exactly get on board with JJ Abrams vision yeah. Yeah. from one to two. And obviously Abrams wasn't initially slated to do um, rise of Skywalker. So, you know, maybe Ryan Johnson just figured it wasn't a problem or maybe Ryan Johnson had conversations with um, the director who was supposed to do rise of Skywalker. I don't remember. Guillermo del Toro. It's always him, and then he backs out. Yeah, um, (laughs) I don't think it's him, but yeah. So, but so the idea there is like the overriding theme is I think it was Colin Trevorrow was supposed to actually do it based on what I'm reading here because he was writing the story. Yeah, Colin Trevorrow. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so he was doing. He did the Jurassic Parks, if I'm not mistaken, Um, the new ones. Um, But so the point I was getting at is like. No one writing these stories did anybody any favors because they didn't seem like they ever talked to each other about the overall story of, of, of the flow of the stories. And 
you know, it's funny to look at that when Marvel, you know, they've had different directors do different parts of the Marvel movies, but it always seemed like they had a really good understanding of the themes running throughout. Yeah, because they had a person doing that for them, right? They had Kevin Feige. Sure, but like, like I don't want to just go and say, well, Kathleen Kennedy should have been doing Kevin Feige's job, and she, she wasn't. I think there's just there's more going on there than in the Star Wars world, and I don't. I'm not going to label one person at fault because I don't know. Yeah, but it's just interesting to see, you know, two organizations within the same company structure take such different directions towards handling important, uh, you know, stories and and do such a poor job in actually handling them. Yeah, if anything, I would say it's pro- like I because Kathleen Kennedy isn't like I almost said Kathleen Turner. Kathleen Kennedy <laughs> isn't. That's a whole other Kathleen. Uh, She's not. It's not like she was hired just now to do this. Like she's been involved with Star Wars forever. Yep. And so what I would what I would assume is that you know Kevin Feige has more power, I guess, or more clout in terms of saying, "Oh, this is how it's going to be," and you know, I don't care who the director is. It's also very telling to me that, as far as I know, J.J. Abrams didn't direct any of the Marvel movies, right? Like, he hasn't been involved at all with Marvel. Yeah, and I think it's very telling because you know J.J. Abrams is the guy people think of or used to think of as like oh an action movie or adventure movie just put the guy in right mm-hmm. and and yeah, it's correct. I think it might have had something to do with Kevin Feige saying yeah I don't I don't want that guy to have his own ideas about my stuff basically and and maybe maybe that's where, where... sorry I just I just you're, this is I, I have no reason to think something that up. yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> okay you're just you just launched a conspiracy theory that kevin foggy hates jj abrams that's what i heard sure let's go with that okay, great love it um but in all seriousness that i think it's like it has to do more with probably kathleen turner maybe taking a bit of a more passive role in this and instead of trying to force it down rather than her not knowing what you wanted to do or you know i i don't like you said we don't know what happened but something happened maybe like i don't I, I think there was just more pressure with star wars than there was with marvel like marvel came out of nowhere and got built up so you could set people's expectations whereas star wars people have had 30 years well not 30 years that's unfair uh more like 10 to 15 years to make up what they expected to happen had canon written about it in the extended universe all these things happen so they have a lot more expectations coming to these movies than the marvel people did and and it's hard to to satisfy those expectations yeah i think it's exactly 20 years because I think uh, Revenge of the Sith came out in 2005 and then uh, this one came out in 2015. So yeah, so that's a years. lot of 20 years. Yeah. So that's, that's a lot of 10 years. That's not how math works. 20, but oh, 10. Yeah. Right. Never mind. <laughs> you were very insistent on being very wrong there. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is the show. Yeah. yeah that's fair. Anywho. So, um, but even then, like a decade's worth of expectations is a lot. Yes. Right. And, but like, I don't, Honestly, I don't watching it again with trying to be objective because like it's hard for me to be objective about Star Wars as, as the, emotionally invested in it as, as I am. Honestly, what's the point of being objective? The whole point of the show is our stupid opinions. So no, 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 no. I know. Objectivity. I know, but like even trying to look at it objectively, I can't like this is not just because there was expectations. This is just poorly executed in the end. The first act of the movie is actually pretty good. Yeah, it sets up great. Honestly, like it's it's. But when it's got... when it starts, I guess when when Han and Chewie get into it, that's when it starts derail like derailing. I would say. Um, 
Yeah, I, I think if you look at the story beats, you have you start with Poe on on that planet, um, meeting Max von Sydow's character, which I looked it up. His name is San Teca. Um, oh, that's right. Yeah, and they get the map piece, and you find all the map pieces for Luke Skywalker. So that's cool. And honestly, like you know, we talked a lot about like uh, power creep and things. I thought Kylo Ren stopping that blaster bolt was fine. Like we've seen, like that's not an egregious level of. of <sighs> power creep and and i know you're rolling your head it's like you can't expect nothing to happen like as movies progress cr- characters and things have to grow you can't just have jedi powers be exactly what they are and i think that power was within the realm of possibilities based on what we saw um and it adds to the mystery of okay who's this guy he's a new jedi what's his deal like that's fine yeah um, that's all fine it's not yeah. the problem i agree with you like they're like I don't know that he needed to be a lot more powerful, but like there has to be some evolution to the powers. I don't know. Stopping a blaster bolt, one blaster bolt makes you a lot more powerful. Like if you were in a fight with like 20 guys, you're not going to pull that move because you can only stop one based on what we saw. You're not gonna be able to stop 40 blaster bolts like that. Yeah, but he's not doing that. He stopped that blaster bolt and pull at the same time. And then he was walking around talking and doing stuff while the blaster bolt was still stopped. And the only, it only continued going after he had, got it into his ship and left. So whatever. The problem is I hate Kylo Ren and this movie just makes me hate him just the more. I hate him. I, it's okay. just a whiny, bitchy, pathetic, piece of shit villain. Sorry, I cannot. That's fine. Let's just be clear here. You hate the way Kylo Ren is written? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's his, like Adam Driver is a great actor. Yeah. And and I I I can't lay the blame. Well, maybe a little bit, but that's like direction too. I can't really lay the blame of for for how shitty the character is on his like at his feet. Like he does he does what he has to do, but like I don't I just there's no gravitas. Yeah, no, I, I think none. I think I, I I the first time I watched this, I I disagree with you wholeheartedly. And having watched it a second time, I'm a little bit more on board with you. Um I think Adam Driver does a good job acting the character in terms of him being having this internal conflict. But some of the way it comes off in the movie, it's like it feels rushed, right? Because you don't know the characters, so you're trying to understand him, but they're trying to tell you he's a conflicted character quickly. And so it just seems like you said, it's just like there's no gravitas. It's like, okay, he's powerful and he's like kind of the new Darth Vader and he looks up to Darth Vader. That's cool. Um, and then his parents are Han and Leia. I'm like, yeah, okay, like I guess, uh, cool. And then Darth Vader's his grandfather, and it's like, all right, that's weird. And and as they go through it, his up and downness becomes like like I'm a 12 year old dealing with emotions, not yeah, I'm 25. And and it's not that he can't have inner conflict and like have rage issues. But how he acts out his rage issues are that of a twenty-five, like a twelve-year-old. Like Darth Vader had rage issues, and if he didn't like you, he choked you and killed you. Not cut up a computer screen with a lightsaber. Uh, that temper tantrum, man. That, like- and that's like the temper tantrum really throws it off, right? Because the temper tantrum is just like it's a twelve-year-old freaking out and not not an adult. And and so it's fine. Like I understand what they're trying to do. Like he obviously ran away from Luke. We find out later because he tried to murder him and all that jazz. And so he ran away as a teenager, but you don't know that yet. And so it just seems really discordant to like him supposed to be the big bad, but then he does these childlike freakouts. Like 
you know, at least Vader was like, Vader was a badass and he responded to the Emperor because the Emperor was more badass than him. You had an understanding of the power structure. And with Kylo Ren, you're like, okay, there's a Snoke. Okay, who's this guy? Whatever. He obviously listens to him. But what's this weird dueling thing with, with fucking uh, General Hux? And and that brings me to one of my, you know, patented weird questions. There's no way, this is more of a statement, but like, there's no way anybody would let a ginger become that powerful. No one's following <laughs> a ginger. No one's um, letting the ginger be the general and the leader of like the, any huge organization like that. So the gingerdom of, of a general is just, for me, is just one sign of, of another problem that I had with this. Like, and this is one of my grandstanding things. And and people sometimes roll their eyes at it. But I think it makes like, because people say, oh, you're, you're talking about a movie where there's like laser swords and, you know, uh, like a magic in the shape of the forest. And you're talking about these minute things. But like, it's one thing to ask me to suspend disbelief for the greater, more like fantastical things. And it's another one to make me suspend disbelief for something that is actually like that has real world counterparts and, and just, we know that that's not how it works without any explanation. So general Hux being a ginger is just one factor of how in the fuck does the fire first order work as a, Mm -hmm entity it, it cannot so it has the same resources as the empire even though the empire is crumbled there's no emperor darth vader's dead right and it has all of that all of those resources manpower and ships and a new class of i guess star destroyers that now have belly cannons yeah that's and, another thing about the i just want to point this up because i noticed that like based on what happened that Star Destroyer has two turbo lasers. Two. That's it. Because in the yeah. movie, they, they shot those two them. cannons and the guy's like, oh, they took out our turbo lasers. Like, what? You have two guns on your fucking ship? A ship how, that's how like... How scary? It's a, a kilometer long. Now, yeah. Let's just put two two cannons on it. That, got, that, that ought to do it. It's got one turbo laser and like one ventral cannon. That's it. Oh, it has two ventral cannons, man. Well, I'm considering the stock as being. Yeah. And, and so, and, and on top of that, you know, the whole, like you said, the whole sort of like duel or like melee, let's call it, between Kylo Ren and Hux. And like all three of them, Snoke, Kylo, and, and Hux are all ineffectual leaders. They're, they're more worried about, like the two of them are more worried about one-upmanship than they are about like actually leading and they're like giving contradictory orders and they don't respect each other. So given that the top leadership of, of something that big is like basically in shambles, how does it all work out? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. You don't, it does like, I have no idea, right? It, how that works. Yeah. It's, it's, and this is, this is, I think this is where the grander premise falls apart for both of us. It's like the idea that, we have to go back to the scenario where there's the Empire and there's the Rebels. You can change their name to the Resistance if you want to, but that I think is the failure of this, the failure point of this movie. We did not have to go back here. There was no reason to go back here. It was a very bad decision to go back here. Like you're not telling me a story that's interesting if you just reset the pieces to the way they were. There's like there's literally no reason to have the Republic turn into the Resistance. Other than it may let you tell the exact same story people had so they could feel comfort comfortable in their fucking 
nostalgia. Which is not even what happened, let's be honest. And people go, I've already seen this story. I know how it ends. And there's so many parallels, like I was saying before, with, with the first movie. And, and uh, something that you pointed out a long time ago um, when we were talking about uh, Reza uh, Skywalker um, is that this movie already starts a trend of making things that happened that were grandiose in the other movies be useless. So the whole deal with the Death Star was like, holy shit, it's a planet-killing weapon. And it's yep. going, oh, they're going to destroy, oh, they blew up Alderaan. What the fuck? Yep. And now they have a way bigger thing that yep. channels a sun. Like, I'm not even going to get into, like, the, <laughs> sure. just the logic of, not even logistic, just the logic of, yeah, let's pull the sun into the planet. And nothing bad is going to happen. It's just the energy of the sun is going to funnel into that little hole. And it's not going to burn everything around it. It's not going to explode. Nothing. It's just going to go in there. And now, instead of destroying one planet, we're going to destroy a whole system. Like, yeah, let's aim at the Hosnian system and destroy the, all of the planets. Yeah, so that the planets, makes, the moons, the subplanets, everything. Yeah, and that makes like the whole deal with that star and destroying Alderaan pointless and meaningless. Right? Yeah, and, and this yeah. just gets worse as it goes. It, it's 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 one of those things. This is the exact example I was telling, talking about J.J. Abrams' love of set pieces. Because listen, it looks fucking cool, man. It looks cool when they fire this thing across the galaxy and it rips into the planets and explodes them all. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll yeah. grant you that. But like, why why another planet destroying thing? Why 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 the same storyline? Why like? And I, I noticed like. At least when they went to send a, a crew down to disable the shield that was surrounding the Death Star, they sent like forty dudes. This time they sent four. Yeah, four fucking four, three. Yeah, four people, four fucking oh, people. They sent to, three, and there was a fourth there. Right, because she was on the base. That's right. Yeah, so three. Yeah. Technically, they sent three people to break in and blow up this shield. And like, I look at this and I'm like, okay, how many people are in the First Order? How big is the First Order? And then how small is the resistance? Because the resistance didn't send any capital ships. It looks like they sent one squadron of X-Wings yep. to save themselves from being annihilated by this planet-killing weapon. And it's just like, why Why is the resistance so small? Why, like, why does the First Order have so many resources, even though, even when you... I've actually read the book. Um, I, I didn't know it at the time, but like these books connect to these movies. And like when the Empire limps away... They have like basically like nothing. They have like some people and some ships, but it's like they're shattered and broken. Yeah. So if you look at on on Jakku, all those like the the, the star destroyers and stuff on on Jakku was basically from these books. Um, the 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 rest of the Empire shows up there as well as the uh, the Republic, uh, the New Republic, and they fight it out, and the Republic kicks the shit out of the Empire, and so the Empire goes limping away with like a couple star destroyers and stuff. So, like, how do they just vanish and come back with, like, a planet-killing weapon? And that many people and that many resources and, you know, like, yeah. it's basically the Empire all over again. Like, the First Order is more powerful in this movie than the Empire was in A New Hope. It certainly appears that way. Yeah. Which is nuts. And, like, the idea that, like, the Republic didn't believe the, like, the you know, story-wise, like, I... I 
I don't want to quibble on story points because stories are made up and people can choose what they want, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't want to get too lost in the weeds that um, the idea that you know the Republic doesn't believe that the Empire exists anymore and so we shouldn't worry about it. It's like that to me just feels like you want something and so you're making up a reason to justify it instead of giving valid reasons to prove that this is why they didn't think they mattered anymore. And this is at a grand level, this is the biggest challenge I find with J.J. Abrams' movies is that he does things that he doesn't earn, and you're yeah. just le- left asking questions, and and that's my biggest concern. And like this is this is another one of my re- weird questions, but like so, Ray is on Jakku, and she's scrapping parts for basically food portions, right? Yeah. So she brings a bunch of garbage to him, and she gets a quarter portion for those scraps, and then you know the next time she comes back is like. It was worth a half portion, blah, blah, blah. And then and then he offers 60 portions for a droid. Um, what are droids worth? Like 60 portions of food seems like super cheap for a droid. Are droids like plentiful? Like, is it like buying guns in America? A droid, you just go to Walmart, <laughs> local Walmart and buy a droid? So I think, so that I think is because he already knew. First of all, he knew that she didn't know how much a droid is actually worth. And two, I think it's because he already knew that the that the first order was looking for BB-8. So maybe that's kind of like maybe. But I I don't. There's another thing I don't understand about that that dynamic with him and whatever the fuck that that uh, guy was. The guy's his name Urduk, whatever his name is. So if you if you remember when it flashes back to her being a kid and and the parents leaving, yeah. he's the one that gets in charge of kind of raising her. He he has her. Right, he's holding on to her. Yeah, yeah. But then, how does that dynamic work? Like, it's not. It's like, did he raise her as a as a child? Is she a slave? Like, what the hell is happening there? There's no yeah. clarification there. And then you're just wondering. Okay, so he raised her, but now he still makes her pay for food. So there's no. You see what I mean? Like. I'm okay suspending disbelief about the fact that laser swords exist, but I'm not okay suspending disbelief about like mundane things that that need a rhyme and reason to exist and that don't. You know what I mean? Yeah. Another good example of this is Ray existing on Jakku. And when Ray gets off Jakku, she knows how to fly the Millennium Falcon. She knows about Han Solo. She knows all these things. And and I don't know if I read this somewhere or whatever, but like basically the idea is that she was able to hack into the computers of the fallen ships and learn about all these things. But the thing is like, they don't tell you that in the movie. So, yeah. so I don't know if they're just expecting you. It's like, Oh, she has to force. So she knows all these things, which makes literally no sense. Yeah. Or, or she's just like awesome at everything. And that's just, that's boring. Right? Like you don't, if you, you could have spent probably like five minutes. Five minutes. Yeah. That's all you needed. Was, when she was out there eating her little food portions, instead of sitting out and looking over Jakku, she could have been like sitting there and reading like a computer screen and reading stuff off the computer screen and it's talking about like whatever. Um, and that would have answered the question like, oh, that's why she knows how to fly the Millennium Falcon because she's been looking up like manuals of all these old ships. Or you could have shown like, you know, in that whole scene where she's scavenging stuff and, and, and whatnot, like you could have interspersed it with like, you know, she she has to know how to fly a ship because of something that she needed to do while sure. scavenging. And then yep. to get some parts, she needed to hack the ship because, you know, the ship was going to not let her take, I don't know, something like that, right? 
And and I literally wrote down as one of my notes is Ray is too good at everything. And so so I couldn't agree more. Like it's she's I remember seeing this picture that someone did with, you know, the like the A New Hope and then um this movie, or actually it's probably like the the ninth movie where everybody's together on the Millennium Falcon and then they have like the hero, the the pilot, the blah blah blah. Like and it, every time is one person. And then on on the other picture with with you know the new cast is like she's everything and then it's like background comedy relief blah 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 and that's exactly how it feels like so luke skywalker in the other movies is just coming into his powers he has no idea he's a jedi and he's learning about his powers but they all have a, a very powerful and equal role to play yeah and ray is coming into her powers and i don't you know it's story-wise if she comes in from the quick and she's able to muster them against like um kylo ren fine like that's your choice but that doesn't make her good at everything. It doesn't make her the master pilot and the master marksman and the Jedi. That's boring. That's bad storytelling. And like, so if she's a great pilot, what's Poe Dameron's shtick? Which, by the way, is a very poor character for me. Like, Oscar Isaac is wasted on that role. I was. I just wanted to interject because this, this reminded me of the very first scene. Um, Poe, all Poe does is he's really nice to to Max von Sydow's character. <laughs> he treats him very like with reverence and, and, and yeah. appropriateness. And then Kylo Ren shows up and fucks him up. And then he's a cocky asshole to Kylo Ren. And it's just like, Why? that's a weird time for you to show me that. I don't know enough about him. And then he's just automatically cocky in front of the face of death. Like, you, well, you know why, right? I don't know why. Because they needed a Han Solo in this movie. Yeah, but like, you can't just be cocky immediately. Like, yeah, oh, Han I Solo agree with Han Solo wasn't cocky in front in the face of like super danger. Han Solo was cocky with like Leia and like cocky around Luke and like cocky in in the cantina when he shot Greedo. Like, but he didn't just like, and it wasn't like Greedo was never a danger to him because he he had a plan. Whereas Poe just got caught. His plan was to escape. He didn't expect him to be there. So the cockiness just doesn't hit the same way. And so it, it puts you at a weird level with, with that character. Like, what, what the, who the fuck is this character? And I like the way he plays the character, like, with Finn. I think their bromance is excellent. Like, they, that's all great. But it's just off-putting that the first interaction with Poe is so, like, diametric so quickly. It harkens back to something you said, you know, whereas they don't get some of these things. And when they try to replicate it, it's how it fails. Because look at, look at the, character, the character arc for Finn. It makes so much more sense and it's so much more organic and it's like it's so believable because it is not trying to replicate any other character. But then if you look yep. at, at Poe, Poe is supposed to be Han, right? He's he's a an, an XP. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and so they try to replicate Han, but they don't understand how Han came like why does it work? Why do we love that character so much? Why is it so iconic? And they don't get it. So they just try to haphazardly replicate it and fail. So you can yeah. tell that when there are like, um, how do you say it? Um, like original, I guess, ideas, as much as you can get that with, you know, someone else's world, that they, they do it well, right? And, but then they back, they go back and back and back every time. To try to replicate a new hope. Oh, this is how it was a new hope. Oh, this is how Han Solo is. This, and, and then, worst of all, 
with Ray, they crammed like five characters into her. She's Luke. She's Leia. She's, I guess, you know, Lando from from the flying. I don't know. Like all that's sure. missing is for her to be smug as well. It goes back. It's, it's another thing that I wrote down here. Like how gimmicky the characters are. Almost all of them are. Snoke, especially. It's like we. It's his, okay. He's the villain, but he doesn't earn it. Like on the original trilogy, when we hear about the Emperor first, and then you know, there's all of this buildup that only really culminates on the third movie, where you actually see the Emperor doing a lot more. Right at first, he's just this sort of like nebulous darkness, nebulous danger, that makes him a lot more effective as as you know something to be afraid of. Yeah, it's it's like they're relying on us to remember the Emperor yeah. to to make it believable, right? Like, I don't think it's wrong to have like a big guy, a bad guy manipulating the, the palm. No, 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 that, that's but... fine. That's, that's totally like very like dark side. Right. Yeah. But I have no idea why anybody's scared of this guy. Yeah. Or like, so where does he come from? Why, why is it that he was able to, you know, steal, let's say Ben Solo, or, you know, Kylo Ren from his own uncle, like, you know, and this is, I'm just going to touch on this because this is going to come up a lot in the next episode. The The concept, when, when it gets explained to, like, I think it's Han that explains this to Ray and Finn about why, like, the why of Kylo Ren. And he's like, oh, uh, Luke, was, Luke was training the new generation of Jedi, and then uh, uh, one of his pupils betrayed him and tried to kill him. And then Luke, quote, had to walk away from everything like that is so ridiculously out of character for for luke because you know if you go by the way that the story is told the last thing we hear from luke is him never giving up like return of the jedi is just him being this determined sort of unstoppable force for good and it's like oh no they try to kill me i'm gonna run away what yeah, he basically every time he runs into danger before he should, right? Like he leaves Yoda to to go help his friends because yeah. they're in danger, and and so the we're getting outside this movie obviously with this plot point, but like his just the idea that he would kill or he would have something bad happen with the Jedi's and then just give up. Like I'm not saying that won't make him question things, but like you got to give me more than just you know Ben Solo killed a bunch of dudes and so he ran away. And also another parallel, right? With Anakin in this case. You know, we've seen, we, we had an example, albeit a, not a, you know, generally seen as good example in how to portray a super powerful character that is conflicted in Anakin in the prequels. Right? And I can't believe a movie caused me to, you know, talk about the prequels in a good way, but <laughs> here we are. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's not the best depiction of, you know, a very powerful child because, you know, Anakin is a, even, even in the, in the, in the second and the third movie, he's still like an adolescent sort of young adult. He's, yeah. he's fighting, you know, having all of these powers and all that expectation trust on him on top of having all of this angst. Right. And, and that is a much better job than, you know, like emo Kylo Ren slashing, panels with his lightsaber yeah i I think you've nailed it like the the interaction and the dialogue that that um you know hayden christensen and 
Oh God, why is her name escaping my brain? Natalie Portman. Thank you, Natalie Portman. Their interactions are wooden and stiff, and I don't know if they just didn't have chemistry or if the, the dialogue yes. was shit. But the yes. structure of the it's story... All, it's all of those things, and more. Yeah, the structure of the story is, it makes sense, right? This guy is young, he's learning his powers, he had his mom taken away from him, he likes a girl, but he's not supposed to have her. Like, I understand why he's conflicted. Yeah. That makes total sense. And f- with, like, Ben Solo's... I, like, I don't know if I wanted you to tell me the story of why he did that. Like, it just, it just, it doesn't connect, right? It, it's disjointed yeah. and, and they don't earn, or they don't give you enough snippets into his background to say why he turned to the dark side. And they never do. Uh, spoiler alert. Um, it never, it never no, gets it better. Yeah. If, if anything, it gets more and more nebulous because he, you know, he killed his father, which by the way, it's probably his own goods. Like that scene is actually really good it, with him pretending to be like oh i'm so conflicted but i know what i have to do but i don't have the strength and then turning that into okay thank you for helping me kill you right because hun says yes anything right that is actually a very good scene a very powerful scene and i think it was the right choice to kill han not not just because harrison ford was pissed off with playing him again sure. but like it was a good idea like get those characters away from the old characters shadows right um but that's really the only, and again, a new thing. Like, you know, it would be inconceivable to kill one of those characters before. And, and that's a good idea. Yeah. That's, you know, when, when they go into like a more daring direction, they actually get stuff right. And I just wish they applied that to the whole movie. Right. Instead, you have J.J. Abram churning out characters that are very promising and that, you know, do good in the trailers and then are a complete letdown, like Phasma. I don't, I don't, I Here's what I'll say on that Phasma thing, because I wrote down that too. <laughs> I think it, it was a mistake from the marketing standpoint to build her up, just like they built up Max von Sydow's mm-hmm. character. But at the same point in time, you can't go out there and give a character a cool name and make them all look cool and then have their character arc be like worse than Boba yeah. Fett's. Like, but we made up Boba Fett in our minds because the toy came up before the movies and everybody thought he was cool. But Captain Phasma is just like, is kind of the same thing, but it's also on you this time because you know how the public is. You go out there and put a character out and say, look at this badass stormtrooper has all fucking shiny silver armor, going to kick some ass. And not once does that character ever kick any ass. That character is useless. You could have just given a stormtrooper like a light blue sash and then he could have been the Captain Phasma. Yeah, and it would have accomplished about as much as she did both, you know, in terms of character development and in plot development, because it, it it was nothing. All she did was like be my like middle management, angry at Finn. That's all she did. And I don't think Finn's character. No, not that. at all. Um, and so I have a, I have a, I have an interesting question for you about Finn, and this is going to be a nonsense question, as you know, I'm <clears> fond <throat> of doing. But it bugged me a lot. So Ray, Ray's mm. character, she has a British accent. Correct? Yeah. John and then, Boyega does it. <laughs> and not only does John Boyega not get to talk with an accent, but then it's just like, well, maybe he, he, you don't understand him. But then later on, there's those guys that boy, board Han and Chewie's ship, and the guy's talking with a Scottish yep. accent. And that's cool. And my question is, why the fuck couldn't John Boyega just have talked with an accent? Why does it matter? I, at all? Yeah, so I actually, I've watched them in an interview with Graham Norton talk about this, and they don't know either. Like, uh, Graham Norton says to Daisy Ridley, "You get to keep your lovely British accent, but 
you didn't. And like John Boyega said something like, "Oh yeah, it, they you know it didn't work for a stormtrooper because of the the like the he said that the dialogue felt stilted as as with a like with the British accent. I'm like, why? Just do the like change the dialogue so it Weird. fits. Like, yeah. I guess we're we're just used to it being proper. And so a stormtrooper having proper languages. Yeah, is and, weird. And, and honestly, it would make sense because you know historically within Star Wars, um, uh, like um, Imperial people usually have almost British all. Accents. Yeah, yeah. And so like it would make sense for a stormtrooper to have like, but but like I guess he he says that like the stuff that he says like sounded just weird with a with a British accent. I'm like, I mean, it would have just sounded just as weird as it does. Because a lot of the dialogue yeah. is a little forced. Uh, a little bit, yeah. Um, we've, we've gone on a long time here, just ragging on very specific things, and I still have more notes Same. to go through. So um, let's let's pick up the pace just a little bit in some of the stuff. I, I want to highlight some stuff that I thought was a little weird before we get into the nice stuff. And one of the things I thought was really weird is I remember I read a book about the making of the original Star Wars movie, and one of the things that George Lucas did a lot was he spent a lot of time watching dogfight footage. Mm-hmm from like world war ii and that informed how they actually modeled the star fights in uh all the sorry the uh, starfighter fights in all the scenes and and it really stood out to me when poe shows up on on and i even wrote it down here uh, when they go to meet uh, mas Kanata, mm-hmm. um and on her planet and when they show up and they save them from from kylo ren showing up and like stealing ray like it looks so bad the way he flies the X Wing and just turns on a dime and kills kills all those Tie Fighters because, like, it's one thing you might be able to do that in space, yeah. but you're on a fucking atmospheric planet. You can't turn yeah. like that. That's not possible. And it just really looked, really look. It was a uh, Taco Dana, Taco Dana, yeah. planet. Yeah, and it just looked really cheesy that he was able to do that. And again, that's like not to me. That is the quintessential. I don't understand the star Wars world because you don't understand how George Lucas designed the movies and how they designed the starfighters to work. And should you have designed it based on like real world air fight dog fights? I don't know, man. But once you did, that's, that's your reference point. You have so to use it. I actually like that fight. Like, and, and this is me completely turning off my brain and just watching, you know, ships go pew pew at each other. But yeah, I, I, I agree with you. And, and honestly, it's something that bothered me. I always had after, you know, seeing other uh, IPs where there's like space flight and they do it sort of properly where there's no gravity or, or you know, uh, friction with air. And they do maneuvers that would obviously not work in, in a planet. Right. And it was weird watching, uh, for example, Luke you know, go into the trench on the star, uh, on the Death Star. And it's like, oh, you have one pass. Why? You can just literally stop and shoot as much as you can and that kind of stuff. Like, So, like, it was it was too modeled for my tastes on, you know, fights on actual real flight in, in within, you know, a planet. Well, I mean, if you stopped in the trench, they were shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Them, so that, my my that, point but... is that it does. It didn't have to be like okay. Now we're gonna have to pass and turn around Fair. and come back again. That because that's that that was the concept. Was like we're not gonna get another chance to fly by and turn around and come back. It was like you don't have to, but that's not that movie. It's, we're talking about this movie, and I totally get what you what you mean. Was like okay, 
now they're in the planet, then now make them fly like planes because that's how physics works. Right. I, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. It's, and, and honestly, one thing that I wanted to say that I, if we're veering into the good stuff, um, it's all three movies, but just talking about this one in particular, like the, the cinematography and the photography in these movies are always great. All, all three of them. Like, yeah, those awesome. scenes in, in Jakku where, you know, you get to see the wide panning shots with gigantic, like, Star Destroyers and even, like, AT-ATs and ATSTs like, on the ground. Those are great. Yeah. Right? Uh, like, the the visuals of these movies are, are amazing and, and this kudos there, right? The X-Wings showing up on uh, Takodana, like, flying across the yeah. water and that visual, like, just chef kiss, just yeah. perfect. Even Even the whole... Uh, the the time uh, the first time when we see the, so that the bad one when you know we see the Millennium Falcon is like the corniest shit in the world oh that is garbage oh the garbage will do oh it's the Millennium Falcon oh you know nerds like come on <laughs> yeah but the whole scene of you know Ray flying uh, the Millennium Falcon within the, like the the bowels of a down ship that is really still pretty cool the whole thing right yeah yeah visually it's yeah. amazing. And it, there's there's like legit good stuff in this movie. Like, so I, I I have two gripes that I want to talk about before we finish off with the good stuff, and I'm kind of jumping in here because I don't want to I don't want to come back with any of the bad stuff. <laughs> okay. Two two really quick gripes. One is I don't understand what's up with that hand to hand weapon that that stormtrooper fights Finn with, because I don't understand how it stops a lightsaber. It doesn't make any sense. Uh, it's there's precedent for it, but go ahead. I, okay, I mean, it's it seems weird, and then it's like they make a big deal, and, and anyways, I, I'm gonna spoil something you haven't even watched, so I won't do that yet. Oh, from, um, from Mandalorian, yeah, please yeah. don't. Um, but it's just, but lightsabers are just a big deal. Lightsabers yeah. are weapons that are are, and and another thing that was interesting is when same thing, Kylo Ren stabs Han Solo. How do lightsabers work? Because you can stab someone like their butter, but then they don't slowly slide down the lightsaber like the lightsaber doesn't continue and they to don't burst them. into flames they don't burst into flames like and i just i understand that's probably a bit of a narrative thing but i need some more consistency on how lightsabers operate in the star wars universe because it just seems like that weird electrified thing can stop a lightsaber and at one point it looks like he just hits it under like in a spot where the electrified thing isn't even on yeah. and it's like Okay, well, that seems weird that you can the lightsaber can stop on that piece. So, like, what metal stop a lights? Anyways, that, it's, so it's a little beef. Vibra- and, uh, not vibranium, uh, vibra knives do, or vibra blades do. Yeah, um, but that's sure. like the nerdiest fucking thing ever. Um, right, and I don't need to go down that hole. I just it's it it's a question mark more than anything. Yeah, no, I I agree with you, and and I, that was a gripe I had when I first watched the movie. Like, what kind of a baton's going to stop lightsabers? But if you like, for example, if you play the games. There are stormtroopers that have weapons that are specifically made to counter lightsaber, which makes sure. sense, yeah. right? Absolutely. But, but they don't explain yeah. that. But they don't so explain just, that at all. No, I just need more consistency. I'm not saying it can't yeah. be done. And the other thing that bugs the hell out of me, and I have to bring it up, is so uh, Hand dies, they win, they fly back to whatever base, whatever planet the, the, the resistance base is on. Um, Chewie gets off the ship. He doesn't look at Leia. Leia doesn't talk to Chewie. They ignore each other like nothing just happened. Well, of course, she has what, to go hug Ray. What the yeah, fuck that was, was that? Yeah, yeah. Also, like, I'm gonna say 
Chewie was not good in this movie at all. Like, and and I I don't know if it, I don't think it's Peter Mayhew's fault. Is just like I don't think Peter Mayhew has been doing a lot of this acting now. It's the Finnish guy's been doing a lot of the work. Even even then, they were like splitting it. I okay. I I don't know about that, but like whoever was acting there, like when the the way it happens is like he gets stabbed and then they talk for another feels like five minutes until he actually dies, <laughs> and then Chewie is not shooting at ben or like ricardo why he waits until yeah that's not the actor yeah i know yeah that's narrative plot devising but i I just don't like like that to me is is the epiphany or not the epiphany but is the the exact example of how another example of how they don't understand star wars because epitome thank you yeah not epiphany (laughs) anyways um but like it's it's like chewbacca and and the, like the four of them were like best friends yeah. and like like Chewie and Leia had hung out and done all these things together and like it's not like I think they spend every day talking to each other but they both knew how important Han was to each other and the fact that they didn't even hug and anything to me just like is like rage inducing yeah. level of like disrespect like her first thing is to go say hi to Ray. what the fuck for as we find out spoiler alert Ray isn't shit to yep. her yep. so and it's like they did hug when, like, when when Han and Chewie show up in in that plan. I, I looked up the name of the plan. Now I forget. Um, but yeah, where the where the base is, and they she she talks to to Han, and obviously their relationship is strained. Which I, I think they that's it, a it's a good job all around there showing that strain. And you yep. know the the fact that that Ben decided to go to the dark side takes a toll on their relationship. That's like a hundred percent something that would happen in that world with those characters that's that's all well done right uh, and then she does hug Chewie when when they see each other again and then han dies and Chewie was there and she feels it because it shows her feeling it also four sensitive people in this movie are so powerful holy shit like yeah they're they're very yeah, sensitive like you know han doesn't have anything with the force and still you know, Kylo feels him arrive. Like, it's a little too... Okay, fine. Kylo Ren is powerful. I get it. But, like, whatever. And then Chewie goes back and he, like, it shows him being, you know, sad and shit about it. And so so it's like... But, like, yeah. they don't interact with each other at all. I'm like, motherfucker, these people are friends for 30 fucking years. You think they wouldn't yeah. hug over the death of their, like, mutual, like, the best friend of one and the fucking husband of the other? Yeah. And you gotta remember, Chewie like has a life debt to hand. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. they're like the like it's it's more like like I don't know the relationship level of like it's like they are husbands to each other. Like that level of like they're partners like, for loyalty life. and yeah. devotion. Yeah. And then Chewie's just like, I'm not gonna talk to the the woman he loves about this. Cool. Not even just not even just like a hug or like because Chewie just has that way of being sad that's like endearing and and you can see the emotion yeah. even through his talking. None of that. Just. Okay. Yeah, no, no, it's not important because why? Because Leia had to hug Ray, and this is another waste of an opportunity because the idea of the main hero of this story being a woman is amazing, right? And I loved the fact that you know the fucking neckbeard incels were angry at her being a woman and at John yeah. Boyega uh-huh. being another, you know, oh, a black guy in Star Wars. Guess what? This is not Earth, and you know, people in that galaxy aren't racist fucks like you are. So it's great. I love the diversity of this, right? 
but it's wasted. Not on Finn. Finn, Finn is actually, even though the writing is not technically all that great, especially going forward, he does a good job. Like he's probably one of my favorite characters from the new trilogy. Yeah, they don't waste it until episode. The yeah, next episodes. <laughs> yeah, great. Thank, thanks you for giving me two hours of a good character. But like, yeah, Ray is welcome. wasted, and she becomes a Mary Sue right from the get go. Right, she she is like this crappy, down on her luck person in Jakku, and gets you know fucked over by the the the, the, the smuggler, or whatever bad guy there that gives her portions for shit. And then immediately she's like, okay, I know how to fly. I was like, we need a pilot. We have a pilot. Okay. I believe that she could fly. I don't know why. If she could fucking fly, she would not have fucking left. The con- oh, she's waiting for her pa- Fuck you. She would have gone in search of her parents. But let's leave that aside. So now she knows how to, how to fly. Okay, good. Then we figure out that she can resist Kylo. And suddenly she can reverse what he was trained for years to do on her on a whim just oh you're afraid you're not as good as or whatever not as badass as darth vader okay and now she can use the jedi mind trick that even luke took fucking forever to learn to do if he, he can even do it and now she can you know, fight with a lightsaber. Oh, but, you know, and that's something I put down here that the, the choreography was shit on that last fight because she looks like she's carrying yeah. something that's too heavy for her. And I was like, oh, the force. Wait, okay. Now Kylo's going to wait for the 15 minutes it took for her to kind of get, you know, calm. And now she's a badass with the lightsaber too. Like she's earned nothing of that. Nothing. It's a waste of an idea. Like... It, because she basically becomes a full Jedi in the course of the movie, and then why would she go like she looks for Luke Skywalker because she's a hero to her, but like from reading books, but it's just it doesn't it doesn't resonate. Yeah. It's a waste. It's it's like it's it's almost like you know they're saying hey here believe this, and I'm like no, you have to earn it. Yeah, right. Yeah, um, I did think it was bold of of Kylo to ask Ray out uh, <laughs> while they're fighting the snow. Though. Yeah. Like, it's like you need a teacher. I can be your inappropriate teacher that makes lewd remarks about you. Yeah, that yeah, it's bold. You know, go for it. You know, you might as well take. You gotta shoot your shot. And right? also, like, there's so much in this in this movie that is contrived. Like they're fighting, and she just sliced his face open. But now a giant chasm opens between them. It's like, oh, thank you for that. Totally like subtle and not not at all hammered over my head with a sledgehammer symbolism there jj abrams thank you you know giant chasm opening there okay so we've done an hour we've spent 55 minutes ragging on this movie um five minutes maybe talking up this movie i think we have a few more points of how what we liked about the movie um before we we ended off and give our sort of a rating on it um and and so I'll, i'll start with one that i i really enjoyed um they did a good job with BB-8. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I think um, not only that it was a, a practical effect, and I talked a lot about that, but I just think BB-8 character is fun. Um, I like the fact that Ray talked to BB-8 like he was a human, like like mm-hmm. a person. When when she found him in the desert, she's like, "Go over there. That's the town." It's like, "No, don't go that way. What are you stupid?" Like, and she was going to leave him for, for like death, right? Like, you're an adult. Deals with your stuff. I thought that was cool. BB-8's interactions with Finn. I still love the same, thumbs up same. scene. Like. It's still awesome. 
Um, and I think BB-8's character overall in the first movie is it's great. That's a great use of an, a droid. But you know, it's supposed to be there for comedic effect. It's supposed to be there to to help out and have like a you know like a, a human to dog relationship. Maybe that, it might be a little disrespectful to the droid in that scenario. But I don't think so. I um, think that's that's the, what they're going for. Like maybe a more like a more <laughs> sentient dog, maybe. But that's it. That's, especially yeah. with the tiny droids like BB-8 and R2. That's definitely. Maybe it comes across as a childlike droid, yeah. right? So maybe that's why I, I, I guess. I guess you're right. I guess a child is more more. It's a better analogy than a dog necessarily. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it's like the the child and a parent relationship, where the, the child hasn't grown up enough yet to to realize they hate their parents. <laughs> it's just that, that like love. Um, and I thought that was really well done, and I and I thought that they did a great job understanding that piece piece of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, I, I wrote it down as well. The droids are usually awesome in these new batch of movies from Disney. And BBA is no exception. And yeah, one of my favorite scenes in this movie is that thumbs up thing is amazing. Um, I actually really liked the way that Han and Chewie were introduced in this movie. Because we back then, you have to remember, we didn't know how and what capacity it was going to happen. And there was a lot of talk about it just being flashbacks and shit, which I, I am happy wasn't the case to some extent. I just thought, just veering back a little bit into the bad, is like they overuse those characters, but I've said this a lot. So, like, I, I liked Harrison Ford's take on Han mm-hmm. Solo. Like, he's old, he doesn't have time for yeah. any of your shit. I really appreciate it. I thought that was a great way to take the character, given the life state they put him into and the fact that he's back out on there at the run being a smuggler because, you know, his kid fucking went wacko and he doesn't know what to do with it. That fits Han Solo. You know, it's team. also Han, Harrison Ford, I almost, I almost said Han Ford. Uh, which might as well be because that's what I was going to say. He's just playing himself <laughs> as if, you know, Harrison Ford in space. That's what he's playing. And honestly, I think <laughs> I think it's fine. It works fine. Yeah. He's like, yeah, okay. I have no time for your shit. I'm old. I shouldn't have to be doing this anymore, yet here I am, right? Yeah, I, I agree with that too. Um, I like the fight scene in, in his ship, in, in the smuggling ship that has the, the Rathathar or whatever the, the name of those animals are. I like that whole thing with him, you know, yeah, I'm going to do what I always do. I'm going to talk my way, my way out of it. And Chewie is like, and it's like, yes, I do all the time. Like that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, like that. it was, yeah. it was good. I, I wrote this down. It was very refreshing to watch the actual Han Solo after having to watch <laughs> the shit solo we saw yes. in the movie. Like Harrison Ford yes. obviously just gets that character and he does a great job of, aging him up and you know still trying to be the charmer but like not having enough patience to actually charm people it's like like oh yeah. when have i ever let you down and once they say yes you have it's like uh, two times and he was like wait what was the second time like that was all great that that whole scene was great so like i said and, and let's just veer into the ratings uh quickly uh, i just want to go ahead point out go two ahead. more things uh, one thing i didn't care for the fact that um, the two groups of people that boarded Han Solo's ships were like racially divided. It was really weird that the there was like the Scottish guy with his robots and then the Asian crew. Like, guys, we don't need Asian crews in space yeah, anymore. Yeah, they should have all been sort of like ragtag, right? Mis- Just be mixed, a mix yeah. of aliens. Like, that's not hard. It was really weird. Um, and and one thing I'd like to say, and I know I think you and I have argued about this before, but I like the the is it bastard sword look or broadsword of- look of kylo ren yeah i so i've come around on that because i hadn't thought of that as a as a the concept of like this is like a weapon built by built by someone who isn't 
a hundred percent sure of how to do it and and they he just wanted something menacing the only problem i have with that and i will always have with that is that it has the laser guards that would one do fucking nothing and two would just make him cut himself but yeah the look i agree it's really like scary and menacing looking and i think that's what he was going for so that that's fine but like why no guards man yeah (laughs) it just doesn't make any sense yeah all right hit me with that so just to reiterate what i said in the beginning i think this movie started with a lot of potential and it had a lot of story potential with you know the 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 new stuff that was spun especially with ray one thing that i didn't touch on the fact that she doesn't appear to be at least at first anything special we find out in you know what let's leave it for that movie fuck it i'm not going to talk about yeah. that yep but nope. they ruined that potential with trying to pander to oh they love the new hope let's make a new hope again so to me this is a 6 well we're going to we're going to hit exactly the yeah. same mark i gave it a 6 for the exact same reasons you talked about it's it's uh it might have actually been lower because of how much wasted potential in this and and i thought of a you know, in the beginning, I was like, oh, this looks like it's going to be maybe a seven and a half even. But then, you know, all of the shit stuff kick in. So it might have been higher, but the waste of the potential brings it lower for me. Well, and, and it starts off great because you're introducing new worlds and new mysteries that are interesting. Like the fact that Luke Skywalker is gone. That's a great mystery, mm-hmm. right? And the fact that like the fact that they're looking for the map, the fact that like this guy Finn uh, leaves the stormtroopers. That's a great mystery. Even even the First Order is an interesting mystery but as they start to answer the mystery questions and they start to tie up some of those plot points and open up other ones they fall flat in their face because like luke's missing because he ran away like a little bitch like well that doesn't seem like skywalker um and then like the first order is like way more powerful than the resistance it's like why why that seems like a bad story like it's lazy storytelling and so it just kind of it starts off at like honestly it starts off like a like a nine and it just slowly slides down a slope until it ends up like in a six yeah. one. And and to me, like, just as a note, I would have liked them to have been bold enough to flip the story, right? You start a new hope with the Empire taking over and the Rebellion being the guerrilla fighters trying to kind of take it back and, you know, bring back justice and, and you know, take away fear from the galaxy and that kind of stuff. I would have loved to have seen 30 years from the last movie, the Republic is thriving. And now you have a small contingent of Imperial terrorists doing shit yep. and, and having them have to deal with, you know, the, the, the Republic having to deal with them in a much more fair way than the empire would ever have done. I think that would have been a great story and a good, like make it similar. If you want to, call out to a new hope make it some like make plot points call out to each other but flip them right no 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 let's just build the same goddamn movie because you know uh, you as you were talking about it you know uh jj abrams setting up some stuff and then fucking it up i just thought oh he lost it basically basically right he jj abrams did where yeah i think you're i think you're right like you could have i think the thing was here and this is jj abrams biggest failing for Star Wars, and we can go into Star Trek maybe one time about how he did a better job on that, even though he blew up a planet. And I know he really hates that. She <laughs> um, <It> does. <laughs> but the thing that lost here is like 
Star Wars story doesn't have to be bigger than the last one. No. Right? It doesn't have to be bigger than this Death Star is out here blowing up planets. But J.J. Abrams had to force that. It had to, everything had to be bigger than the last story, and that's the failing. You could have told your, the Republic's got to deal with these radical faction of the the Empire known as the First Order, and you could have restricted it to the Outer Rim or to a set of planets where, like, the stakes were real and high and like maybe they needed those votes to be able to do something and if they didn't protect this area like whatever yeah, or even make it like make it like a more of a suspense thing where you know the they're infiltrating like the the senate and they're like corrupting you know certain senators for for some reason and then like you know there's a big bill that's coming up or like something like something that would actually make sense in the republic but then the senators have all gone to the empire side and that kind of stuff so you're like oh my god this is palpatine all over again like that kind of stuff like sure harken back to other movies but don't just make the same goddamn fucking movie again is my problem with this <laughs> yeah exactly i think that is a great ending spot yeah um so we're gonna, you know, what one last point, and then we'll I'll close this. Um, okay. They, I don't like the way they set up, you know, what happened with Luke in this in this movie. I have to say though, seeing Luke at the end, when at the very end, when she hands him the the lightsaber and he pulls his hood off and turns, there was yep. a lot of people chopping onions around here, man. I gotta say, I got, I still got very <laughs> emotional there. That's because Luke is my guy. I've always said this, right? But yeah. And, yeah. and so I was hopeful that the reason why he ran away and that kind of stuff would, would play into the name of the next movie, The Last Jedi, that he was going to do away with the Jedi, like you see in some of the books of the Expanded Universe and try to find a path in the middle. And this is just, I was, it ended in such a, I'm like, oh, okay, this movie was kind of weird, but then Luke's coming in the next one, right? So I was super hyped when the, the last Jedi was about to come out. So when you guys listen yep. to the next episode, keep that in mind because I am going to shit on this so hard, but let's leave that for the next episode because Spoiler we, I think we've had, we've reached the time that we had for this episode, maybe even a little too much. Yeah. No, I think that, I think that is the, the energy you want to put out there is that we had, we came out of this movie. That's why it's like a six, because I think it slipped from a nine down to a five and Luke shows up and it's a six. And you're like, all right, maybe there's yeah. something here. And that's that's the energy is like, well, maybe there's something here. So you take that into the next, yeah. next episode. But for now, this is all the time we have. If you want to, you know, email us and tell us, hey, guys, you were right and I was wrong. Thanks. Please do so uh, at yourwrongcast at gmail.com. Um, you know, figure out how to spell your. I'm sure you can do it. Uh, for now, I'm Luciano. I'm Matt. And uh, just remember, about Star Wars or anything else, you can have your own opinions about shit as long as you realize that it will always and forever be wrong. See you next time. <laughs>